Church, we're thankful that you're here this morning with us in person and online. We're blessed to have you this morning. So great to hear the testimonies of God and what he's doing amongst his people and his church. Amen? Let's give God glory and praise for what he's done in these weeks. 20 groups throughout all the city doing the exact same thing, investing in the lives of people, sowing seeds of the word of God into the hearts and minds of people. It's a beautiful thing. It's not only for the people that we're sowing the seeds into, it's also for our hearts and minds as we give for the glory of God, for his mission and his purposes as we move forward as a church here in Oklahoma City. We have so many things happening here in the church right now. I know that we had, had talked to you about being ready for October 4th. We part that is not in yet, and so we most likely will not be able to meet in there um, because that part is coming in from overseas and it's caught or whatever, and so we don't have the chairs. We won't have the chairs on October 4th, so we will not have our special two services in there in the morning. We will have, though, at 6 p.m., a special uh, service where we will sing. Uh, We will not have lights. We will not have audio. We will not have visual. It will just be people of God going into the new place of worship in there and singing praises and praying unto him. Amen? So at 6 p.m., if your community group wants to join us there instead of gathering together or you'd like to come back for a special night of worship and prayer as we gather there, um, we would love to have you there. So we do not know exactly when we will be in there, but we're hoping October 11th, it may be the 18th, but we will definitely be in there October 25th for our 90-year anniversary. We don't want you to miss that, and we don't want to miss that as a people. We've been gearing up for that for some time now. That's why we set that October 15th instead of October 4th, because we wanted to make sure that we would be in there, and we will be. But as we see in Acts, something sometimes things happen that are unexpected, that we're not expecting to happen. And it is the early church in which we see the spirit of the living God coming to dwell amongst his people. When we read through the book of Acts, we see all of these things happening, these miracles of God, these, these, these manifestations of the power of God happening amongst his people. And really, we see that even today. It may look differently But we see that happening today. What we've seen throughout the book, we've seen that the spirit of the living God comes in power. It comes in power to be bold from God's people. It comes in power to live in Christ-centered community with one another. The spirit of the living God comes in power for us to live generously like they did in the the early church. The spirit of the living God comes for us to proclaim the gospel The spirit of the living God comes so that we can pray boldly. We're seeing this happen even in our church in these last few weeks. People praying boldly. People living in community. People giving generously. People proclaiming the gospel. These is what we see in Acts. Is what we see today in God's church. And now, 
we come to Acts chapter 5, which is not an easy sermon to read, or it's easy passage to read. It's, it's not an easy sermon to preach. It's not an easy sermon to apply to our hearts. It's not an easy sermon to discuss in your community groups. And yet, it tells us something about the nature and the character of God and how he views his church. God does not take deception in his church lightly. This important principle must be understood that God's church is to reflect God and his glory. He certainly cares about his church enough to die for it. And the response of the giving of his spirit to the people of God And the response of the people of God, of the grace of God through Christ and the giving of his spirit should be a response to which is worship or a life that reflects the glory of God. And as we see in this passage, there is no room for lying in God's church. In Revelation, we see Jesus searching the seven churches and he goes through each church calling upon them in different areas of their church to repent, to love God, and live his mission. And this passage is a reminder to us, his church, for us to call people that we love and ourselves to repentance and faith upon Christ. As Ananias and Sapphira we'll see in this passage, have a secret sin and they lie to the Holy Spirit. But God sets a precedence in Scripture in Numbers 32, 23, in which he says, be sure your sin will find you out. And so when you open to Acts chapter 5, let it be known up until this point, hasn't really been any problems within the church. It's been butterflies and rainbows and cupcakes. And now we have a problem. So let's open up into Acts chapter five. We are, uh, Children's Church is in here this morning. We are worshiping together as we do our last Sunday of each month. So it is family worship this morning. So stand with me in honor of reading God's word as we move to Acts chapter five. We're thankful to have our kids in here this morning, even for this passage in which tells us the nature and character of God and is very important for understanding a healthy fear of who God is. Acts chapter five, and it says this. But a man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought it only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit, to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? 
While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and he breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. And after an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at the feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And the great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Let's pray. You can be seated. Father, as we come before you as a people We stand before you with reverence and awe, knowing that, Father, we have the impossible task of reflecting your glory throughout the nations. And it is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we are able to do good works to do that which you desire, to fulfill your mission, to love you. Father, search our hearts in this room, to our people online, in your church, to see if there is any darkness that the light of the gospel needs to be shined upon. Father, you are a God of grace who forgives and loves. Father, help us to be humble in repentance, to be people who genuinely repent of our sin, who confess our sins to one another. Father, extend your hand of grace upon us. People who are in no doubt just like Ananias and Sapphira. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your forgiveness through the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Throughout the history of the church, there has been a dark desire for humanity to use God's name and his church to profit oneself or to further one's own interest. In Jesus' time, with his own disciples, it was Judas who enjoyed for himself the bag of money that was to be given to the poor. 
and then motivated by money, sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Later in the history of the church, it would be men and women who would mingle the church with government, use the church for political power, control and turf, ushering the dark ages. During these dark ages, they would charge people to have their sins forgiven in a practice called indulgences. Even today, we see people hopping into the church, places of authority in the local church for recognition, maybe becoming pastors, in some cases deacons, not to serve or to love like Christ, but for recognition and glory for themselves. The Holy Spirit, early in Acts, shows us through this story that there will be hypocrites that will work their way into God's church, but this type of selfish desire and lying to the Holy Spirit will not be tolerated in God's church and must be called what it is, anti-gospel and anti-Christ, against God and against his spirit. You see, this sign and this event should bring a fear to God's people. It should cause us all, including myself, to check ourselves, to check our spirit, to check our heart against the holiness of God and the seriousness in which Christ is sanctifying and washing his church to be presented as holy to himself. You go back to really what is the goal of the church? Is it to be big? Is it to have as many people as possible coming to the church? Is it even to have as many people as possible coming to Christ in any way that you want them to? Is it to have the nicest facilities? Is it to have a reach throughout the world that everyone knows who you are? Is it to have the best community groups? Is it to have the best children's ministry, new songs and worship being, music being sung and played? Is it to have the most money? To have the largest power? No, the goal of the church is to reflect the glory of God. You see, we as a church can do good things. No one should doubt that Ananias and Sapphira did a very good thing. They sold their property and they gave some of the money to the church. They gave a portion to the church. Anybody that did that today, I would be like, praise the Lord. Right? Anybody that did that in your community group, you would look at them and go, wow, what generosity, what a heart for God. And yet, 
They were completely against God. Why? Because they used God as a way to make themselves look better or further their own glory. And by doing that, you end up robbing God of the glory that is due him. This is lying to the Holy Spirit. Let's look at verse one. But a man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit, to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? This is point number one this morning. God's church is to reflect God's glory. God's church is to reflect God's glory. Remember, referring back to chapter four and last week when we saw the generosity of God's church, the extravagant giving of Barnabas in which he sells his land and lays it at the apostles' feet. And we know Barnabas becomes a leader in the church. He goes with Paul on his missionary journeys. He is, he is, he is using his gifts and talents to invest in Paul in the early church in Antioch. And we see this heart of, of gratitude and joy for what Christ has given to us and, and returning that joy and thanksgiving to God. And he lays this at the, the, the feet of the apostles. And just like if someone was to do that today, what would happen to the people that are watching this? They would celebrate they would find joy in the heart of giving, the gospel heart of giving, just as Christ gave to us on the cross. God gave himself so that we could have life, and the giving process brings joy to the body of Christ. There's celebration for what God did through Barnabas. It was probably even praised by men. And Ananias, seeing this, decides that he wants a piece of that. He wants a piece of the recognition for his good works. Maybe it was the status in the church that he wanted. Or maybe it was just that he wanted to be praised by others. But his heart in giving is not for the glory of the God, it's for himself, and it comes through by lying about how much he has given. He comes out saying that he has given the whole amount of his sale, when in reality he has kept back a portion for himself. You see, the sin of Ananias and Sapphira is not the giving. It is the deceit 
or the lying aspect in his giving. Jesus warns of this public giving for one's own glory in the Sermon on the Mount. This is what he says in Matthew chapter six. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, let me be clear. We want to testify about the works of God in and through people. So you may hear at some point a testimony about someone giving. But guess what? They're not gonna be the ones coming to me and saying, hey, I wanna go in front of the church and tell them how much I've given. Uh, Trust me, I'm gonna go to them and say, I want you to praise the Lord. Have you ever been in a testimony? There's two different types of testimonies. And, And... Honestly, I, I try as best I can to not be the first, but you've always heard of the testimony of somebody getting up here and you heard testimonies and they did a great job this morning. But you'll hear a testimony from time to time of somebody getting up and saying, here's what I did. How good am I? I'm the hero of your story. This is what happened. Praise be to God. Or you'll have somebody get up and they give a testimony and say, look, I'm really not that good. But guess what God did in me? All praise and glory to him because I am unworthy of, of being up here. And guess how great our God is. And guess what? There's a big difference there. The principle given by Christ here in the Sermon on the Mount is to protect one from giving in order to be seen by others. So the question is, can Christian service and giving be self-centered and thus out of God's design? The answer to that is yes. Unfortunately, this happens. People are motivated for giving, teaching, and leading because they like the praise of people. If left unchecked, this can be cancerous in the flock of God. What 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 would happen if all of a sudden, because of their public giving or their service, Ananias himself was now elevated to a status of elder or deacon or highly regarded in the church in Jerusalem? Now you have a real problem because when you're talking about the church, which is designed to reflect the glory of God, you have leaders in the church which are not reflecting the glory of God. They are reflecting themselves and how good they are, which is anti-gospel. The Lord puts a complete halt to this idea 
as he unveils the heart of Ananias and Sapphira and gives Peter discernment for understanding the truth. Notice up to this point in the church, within Acts, the enemy, Satan himself, has tried to stop the church through the outside, through persecution. And now he is trying to stop it where? From the inside. Satan filling the heart of the members within the flock of God to lie about their giving in order to be praised by men. Guess what? Ananias and Sapphira, what have they seen They may have even seen the resurrected Christ, but for sure they saw at Pentecost the the disciples telling the mighty works of God in different languages. They saw this community and the fellowship of God that was genuine. They heard the apostles' teaching. They, they, They saw the miracle of the man who could not walk, walk. They saw the apostles boldly proclaiming Christ. They were there when they were praying and the place becomes shaken. They are there. They see the works of God and they reject God for their own interest. My father always told me, whatever you do, son, no matter how, it, how bad it is, never lie about it. Why do you lie? Why do we lie? We lie because we want to project ourselves better than we actually are. Let me, let me repeat that again. Why do you lie? You want to project yourself better than we actually are. We don't want people to know how bad we are. We lie because we actually want to do good, but when we fail, we want to keep pretending that we are good. This is anti-gospel to the core. Satan himself, who is the father of lies, has filled Ananias to think that he could lie and project himself as better than he actually is. The gospel says you fall short, meaning there has to be some admittance that you are a sinner. You can say, well, I'm really not that bad, but really that is just a lie. When you compare yourself to an almighty, holy God, we cannot compare. We have blemishes. We are spotted, stained, wrinkled. Our life doesn't measure up to the holiness of God. When we see the life of Jesus, we do not measure up in a variety of areas. And this is why we place our faith in Jesus, the one who is without spot or wrinkle. Jesus declares you righteous not because of the good works that you have done, but because of his righteousness. He gave up his life in Ephesians 5:27 so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy without blemish. You are considered holy not based upon how good you are but based upon the righteousness of Christ. And guess what? He is sanctifying his church. He is making her Holy. 
So why do we try to hide our sin? Why do we not confess our sin to those that we have relationship with in the church or relationship with in our community group? Maybe somebody who is discipling you, your pastor. Could it be the very same sin of Ananias and Sapphira? We want to be praised by men. I guess my question is, why do we not confess our sins to one another, knowing that placing our sin in, into the open rather than lying or hiding about behind it is actually God's design for his people? Proverbs 28, 13 says this, whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. James 5, 16 says this, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. You see, the most powerful times in my life have been when I confessed my sin either to my spouse or my community group or the person who is discipling me. And I said, I need Jesus. What do you do when you do that? It's a very scary thing. You're repenting and believing upon Christ. You're trusting in Christ. And this needs to happen at a level of deep relationships with people. When you are able to confess your sin to the people around you and they are so filled with the grace of God themselves that they're not judging you based upon what you have done, but they're saying, the Lord has given me an abundant grace and I wanna give you an abundant grace. And now we can walk with God together and heal and be restored and find healing and we're gonna find hope and we're gonna find people to help us in relationship with our Heavenly Father. I guess this is not just, just about you confessing your sin, but it's about the community of God, the people of God, the community groups, your family, your spouse saying, you know what, I am going to show you grace when you do confess your sin, you are not gonna be judged. You're not gonna be tossed to the side. But we're gonna find healing under the wings and the grace of Christ. But if we don't confess our sin, we continue to live a lie and one day that will find us out. You guys may have known if you're baseball fans, but the Houston Astros got caught in a scandal a while back. I'm a huge Houston Astros fan. I actually went to the World Series two years ago in 2018, I believe. But they got caught in a scandal placing a camera in center field and telling their hitters what pitch is coming by banging on trash cans. Sounds ridiculous, but that's what happened. All 25 players and coaches knew about this. No one stood up and said, hey guys, we're not gonna do this. And the effect has been harsh. It's been booing of 
fans when there was fans during the preseason. There was a lot of media scrutiny, questioning each person's character, questioning even the legitimacy of the World Series title. The reflection on them has not been great. From an outside perspective, it has not been pleasant. Being an Astros fan, just going to tell you that. But how much more should we as the church, the people of God, reflect the glory of God? (laughs) When we confess our sins, no matter how deep we are, then times of refreshing may be able to come. But if we stay in our sin, continue, even as Ananias and Sapphira, they, they collaborate. They go deeper in their sin. The more horrendous it gets. Look at verse four. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Meaning, this is your doing. You own this property. We're not asking you to sell everything and give it to us. You're the one that's selling it. Is it not at your disposal to give how much you want to give? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Which refers back to the Holy Spirit, showing us God, the Holy Spirit is God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And he said, yes, for so much. They collaborated together. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at the feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Now I want you to understand something here that's kind of a side note, but is this. Women, if your husband is against the word of God, you should not do that. Simple as that. We see Sapphira being a good wife, going along with her husband. Who knows, she may have been the one that thought the idea up, we don't know. But spouses, if your spouse is against the word of God, there is no regulation. Peter gives her just as much time to repent of her own sin as Ananias did, and she did not. This is point number two. God looks upon the heart of man. God looks upon the heart of man. 
On the outside, this was a good deed done, yet in the heart, God saw this as lying to God himself. The lie wasn't to Peter. It wasn't to the other church members. It was to the Holy Spirit. The test was against God, and God sees your heart today. This story is a reminder to us that there is nothing that gets past God. You may have fooled your spouse. You may have fooled your friends. You may have fooled your church. You may have fooled your children. But it does not get past God. Hebrews 4.13 says this, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So let me ask you this question. It's an unpopular question to ask you. What are your secret sins? How can you be right with God if you're continually trying to project yourself better than you actually are? Jesus uses the word hypocrite to describe us, the religious leaders of his time. The term is actually a Greek word, Hippocrates, and it literally means a pretender or an actor. The word got its name from actors who would use large masks to portray the roles that they were playing in. This is one of the enemy's most lethal schemes within the church. Hypocrisy. And it's no coincidence are the words of Peter that Satan himself has filled your heart to describe this hypocrisy. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen talks about Satan and his nature. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He is disguising himself. Ananias and Sapphira are disguising themselves as holy when in reality their heart is far from God. Jesus uses the terms for hypocrite is wolves in sheep's clothing, whitewashed tombs, snakes, brood of vipers. Jesus deals with the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and their fake giving, their fake prayer, their fake fasting which are fooling the masses, but not fooling Jesus. One of the excuses people make all the time when I ask them, hey, why don't you come to church, or why don't you come back to the fellowship of God, or even not being a Christian is often, well, they're all hypocrites there. So how can we, as the church, not be hypocrites. I think we can learn a lot from the story that Jesus tells about the tax collector and the rich man. Two men went up to the temple to pray. This is Luke 18, verse 10. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. 
The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like men, like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get, but the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So how can we as the church not be hypocritical? We humbly confess our sins. We humbly say we are no different than the people around us. We are a sinner in need of a savior. I'm no better than the guy who has never been to church his whole life, who doesn't care about God. The only difference between me and him is I'm washed by the blood of Jesus. I have been given grace by God. That's the only difference. Not anything that I've done, but the grace of God. You know, there's really nothing hypocritical about messing up. We all mess up, we all fall short. We all are given grace by the blood of Christ, but we become hypocritical if we act like nothing happened when we do mess up. When you look at this passage, you think to yourself, well, man, if God looks at that sin that deeply, what does he look about me? My heart. Has there been times in which I wanted to elevate myself? Of course. I mean, when you look at this passage, you may even say, you know what? I'm really not that different than Ananias and Sapphira. Why hasn't God struck me down? It's because of his grace. This, like the healings, the tongues of fire, the miraculous things we see in Acts, This is explaining to us the character and the nature of God through these events in the early church. He's explaining that he is not pleased with hypocritical liars within his church, that the unity of of the church is something not to be trifled with, but he always doesn't deal with it in this light. But it doesn't mean that he feels differently about This just means that he, his grace is extended to us even more so that we need to humble ourselves and feel the presence of God's grace abounding in us. You think of the days of Noah in which he destroys the earth because of the sin of mankind. You think that those sins aren't occurring today? They are, and yet he provides the rainbow at the end. Why? Because he wants to show that his grace is greater 
He is a God of wrath. He is a God of justice. He is a God of judgment. And he shows us there with the story of Ananias and Sapphira, yet he does not strike people down on the spot when they lie in the church or when they have self-centered ideals because of his grace. Now we see what is the result of Ananias and Sapphira. Verse 11, and fear, great fear, came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. They were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem and more than ever, Believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. This is our last point this morning, and it says this, the fear of God brings about worship. Did you catch that in verse 14? It says, and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. The multiplication was tied to the fear of God. The worship of the people there was tied to the fear of God. A good definition of biblical fear is awe mixed with intimacy. As the fear of God increases, so does the sense of his love. Tis grace that taught my heart to fear. Sometimes we get this picture of God as this huge teddy bear that when we hug him, spits out jelly beans, when we give him a hug. But we must understand who we are actually talking to and worshiping with our life. The fear of God for unbelievers should be the fear of judgment, eternal separation from God. For believers, the fear of God is a reverence and awe of God that leads to worship. Hebrews 12, 28 says this, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. You see, what happens when you see the, the, who God is, the nature of God, his justice, his judgment, the, who he truly is, that he is a consuming fire, it should lead you to your knees to humbly say, thank you, Lord, the grace of God is overwhelming to you, and all you can do is worship this God. Proverbs 1, 7 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Later it says it is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of God, wisdom, is responding to that knowledge in action. The fear of the Lord changes the way we view God. It changes our life and we respond to who God is in genuine worship. 
Romans 12 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And Ananias and Sapphira, when it came down to it, had no fear of God. They thought that God did not care about their sin. That sin in the church was not a big deal. But God said, no, it affects the body of Christ, it affects the people around you, and it robs me of my glory. And the fear of God within the church and the people surrounding the church led to the worship of the Lord It moved them to deepening their knowledge and understanding of the gospel, the gravity of their sin, and their need for Christ today. Our worship team is going to come up. And as they're coming up, I'm going to finish. But there are some here this morning who are living a double life. One that people know them as and one in which they live a lie, saying it's really not that bad, I have it under control. I'll just fix myself. And you may be even at a place where you're like Ananias and Sapphira where it's gotten so bad you're co-conspiring with others to cover your sin. The Lord may be calling you today to confess your sin. To look at the deep recesses of your heart and shine God's light there. Why? Because there's grace and forgiveness to be found. 1 John 1, 9 says this, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Today is an opportunity for you, an opportunity to no longer continue to grieve the spirit of the living God and allow times of refreshing to come into your life. If it's a pornography addiction, that you tried to keep from people, we have resources that we'd love to help you with. Covenant eyes, other things. If it's an addiction to alcohol or drugs, we'd love to give you into some programs who can set you free from that. Hope is Alive is one of those programs. If it's the love of money and you need to confess that, Begin giving unto the Lord. I promise that you'll find so much joy in that. Some of our faithful members that have been here a long time would love you to partner with them. See what it means to be a biblical steward, to live within God's means. If it's sex outside of the marriage covenant, that you need to confess before your spouse to begin a fresh start in the grace of God. Why not do that today?
instead of hiding these things unto the guise of being good. Because the grace of God in Christ is enough. We are humbled by his grace and his love. No one in this room is sinless. No one in this room is a perfect husband, a perfect wife, a perfect church member. We have all been forgiven by the grace that God gives in Jesus Christ. We also need to extend that grace for one another. If you've wronged someone in this room, you need to go to them. Confess your sin to them. Watch the grace of God bring times of refreshing. This is a time to respond to the message of the gospel that we are sinners in need of a savior and Christ is the only answer. And we may not lie to the Holy Spirit. We may confess our need for Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, we ask that you use this time for your glory, for to you alone are worthy of praise and honor. Father, speak to the hearts of your people. If they need to talk to a pastor, this is the time to do that. If they need to talk to their spouse, even if they're on the stage, they would leave their place and go and talk to their spouse. This would be a time of confession and even into this week, into our community groups, in our homes, with our children. This would be a time where we come clean before the Lord and we say, you know what? I am not that great. I need Jesus. I need his power within me. I need the spirit of the living God. I do not want to lie to the Holy Spirit about my life that I'm better than I actually am. I need Christ. 